What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here with Judging Freedom. Today is Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022. It's about 11 o'clock in the morning here on the East Coast. Uh, We go to our regular expert on matters military who needs no introduction. To those of you watching and listening, Colonel Douglas McGregor. Colonel, it's a pleasure. Welcome back here to Judging Freedom. I want to start with your insight Uh, on the murder or assassination of the young female Russian journalist whose uh, father is apparently a philosopher of sorts uh, of great influence uh, within the Kremlin, the murder having occurred in or right outside of Moscow via a car bombing. Do you think the CIA was involved in this? Well, there's no way to know, frankly, so it would be speculative to say one way or the other. I think we should point out that Alexander Dugan, and I hope I'm pronouncing his, his name correctly, uh, is a very well-known figure because of his uh, strong commitment to Russian nationalism and Orthodox Christianity in Russia. He is one of the people who's been very outspoken in his support of the intervention in Ukraine and has frankly you know, talked in, in very negative terms about the Ukrainian government and the forces fighting the Russians. This is the I father, was, not the. This is the father, the, the father not the daughter. Correct. Yeah. Well, the daughter right. is uh, similar to her, her dad, but has not expressed those views publicly, at least as far as I know. But her father is sort of dripping uh, in buckets of blood, if you will, about what should happen to the evil Ukrainians. So that made him an easy target. But he is not Putin's brain, as somebody thinks. Uh, he's simply someone that Putin listens to. Putin is like uh, any prudent. Uh, president or leader of any country, he listens to a number of different people and he's sympathetic to the Russian nationalists, but he's also worked very hard to suppress them and their influence on many occasions because they tend to be very hot-headed. Uh, and Dugan is one of those uh, those people. So it, it's tragic that this man's daughter was killed. It was, it was a dumb thing to do, frankly, and I think we're now going to watch some very unattractive consequences. Any, any number of things are, are possible at this point. Was uh, the murderer, or is it fair to implicate in her murder this uh, female in, Ukrainian intelligence agent? Well, the FSB is uh, no less or no more competent than most other national uh, police services and its intelligence arm, the fact that they produced all of this as rapidly as they did suggests to me that it's probably accurate. And I would think uh, the Ukrainians will naturally deny any involvement, as and they really should. I, I, I wouldn't want to own up to this if I were Ukrainians, uh, with the Ukrainians, but I think it's pretty clear that this is very plausible, and it makes sense. It's, it's stupid. I think that's the worst part, because one of the things that you and I have discussed routinely 
is that the longer this conflict persists, so does the danger of it widening, expanding, and exploding in everyone's face. These kinds of actions contribute to that danger because inside Russia, the population, which is already very supportive of President Putin and his policies, is enraged over this murder, justifiably so. But it's dangerous. Is the um, United States continuing to send um, ammunition to the Ukrainians for weaponry that is not really of much help to them? Well, if you look at the $750 million package, most of that money pays for ammunition. There are a handful of howitzers that are, that are part of the deal, and those howitzers will add to the artillery arsenal, but not a great deal. What the Ukrainians need now more than ever is, is ammunition. They can't keep up with the, the Russian ammunition supplies. Remember, the Russians spent uh, roughly six years amassing, amassing the ammunition that they're currently using, which sustains these, you know, 1,500 rounds every two or three hours. As a result, the Ukrainians desperately need that. Will that help them? It'll probably help them somewhat. I think what's more important is that we are now doubling down on assistance and intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance. We already have teams downloading critical data to the Ukrainians from our satellite array. And we have contractors on the ground even operating the HIMARS system. I don't know how many of those are left. And they also have a large number of NATO officers, I'm told, who have effectively become the uh, de facto Ukrainian general staff. Ooh, so let I don't me stop, know let how me stop much more we can do. Uh, contractors operating the HIMARS system. What is the HIMARS system? Is it offensive weaponry? Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's whatever you want to use it for. But, okay. yes, it's a powerful okay. weapon. It's rocket right. artillery. So are, are American contractors I don't operating know the, the HIMARS system? American civilians the, shooting at I, Russians? I do not know the national identity. I simply know that these people are not Ukrainians. These are contractors because it takes many months to learn how to operate the system. I mean, just the driver on the HIMARS, the high-mobility rocket system, has to perform roughly 1,100 tasks in the space of a few minutes in order to ready the launcher to fire. So you, you have to have people who are very well trained. Are, um, is the American military continuing uh, to send personnel? I don't want to call them troops because they're out of uniform, and we all know the legal uh, uh, and potentially fatal consequences of that. But as the uh, DOJ D continuing to send American military personnel out of uniform to Ukraine. Well, I'm told that uh, that's happening. I can't confirm it uh, and I can't prove it. I'm, I'm hearing that from people on the ground in Poland. And I'm being told that there are cells that, that operate the surveillance, reconnaissance, intelligence uh, capabilities for the Ukrainians. Some of them are as far East is Kiev, but most of them are in the western portion of the country. The thing, the thing is this, Judge. If, if we think this is happening, and we have people telling us it is, but we can't personally confirm it, the Russians know. The question is, how much longer do they wait before they try to disable our satellites? Mm. How, long, how much longer do, do they wait before they target us, these cells on the ground in Ukraine? 
I, I don't know. But it's a very dangerous situation. It's back to the original point. And then the second, the third point here, which is very, very important, is that we're substituting fiction for reality in the newspapers, in the Wall Street Journal, in cable news television about, oh, the Ukrainians are preparing a great offensive. With what? There's nothing to use. I mean, they don't have the troops that they once did. Their best troops are gone, destroyed, wounded. We, we have, now the latest thing I heard from someone over there is there may be as many as 100,000 dead Ukrainians. Oh, I, I know there are 60 to 70,000. That's reasonable. Are there 100,000? I don't know, but I know that they are losing more every day now than they did in the past. Well, about the only thing that this, this assistance will do, Judge, is potentially in some areas slow down the Russians briefly, but it's not going to change anything. It's not going to stop their advance, and it's not going to turn the war around in Ukraine's favor. So when the Wall Street Journal reports, as it did this morning, and you just referenced it, that the Ukrainian military is ready for an offensive and it's uh, enthusiastic and determined to move forward and the Russians are, are disillusioned, where are they getting this nonsense from? I think they have a cell. People sit down there and, and cook it up. You know, Trotsky, the, the famous Bolshevik in 1921, was, was asked about some information he was distributing about the recent performance of the Red Army against the Poles, which of course was terrible. The Red Army was almost completely annihilated in front of Warsaw. And uh, this, this member of the Communist Party came up to Trotsky and said, comrade, look at this. This isn't true. How can we say this? And, he, and Trotsky smiled and said, comrade, paper will put up with anything you put on it. Well, so will cable news. So will the internet. It, we're, we're just disseminating disinformation. All right. Is, is, are, are American intelligence agencies complicit in disseminating not only a disinformation, but information that's 180 degrees from the truth? Well, we've always had the ability to plant falsehoods and false stories whenever we wanted to in foreign newspapers. I think that's also happening here in the United States. I'm not an intelligence expert. You know, Phil Giraldi would be a better man to ask than me. But the bottom line is, I certainly would assume that at this stage, because we're just being treated to this massive deluge of fiction. And the Europeans are starting to wake up. Uh, many Germans that I know were, were absolutely up in arms over the Russian intervention and, and said, we've got to do everything we can to stop the Russians, harm the Russians. Now, they take a very different position. They see this in a, through a very new lens. It's not distorted by propaganda, but they're not getting any information different from what we are through their media. Well, the Germans are concerned about winter, are they not? They're concerned <laughs> about whether they'll be able to heat their homes with natural gas from Russia, on which they have, for better or for worse, grown accustomed for a generation. Am I right? Of course. Absolutely. No question about it. So what happens, it's now the end of August, what happens as winter uh, approaches? Will this conflagration continue into the winter? Will Zelensky negotiate uh, with Putin or somebody from Putin uh, in a rational way? Will Joe Biden keep sending billions in ammunition or, uh, or weaponry to a lost cause? Will NATO recognize that the longer the fight goes on, as you have said so articulately, the more dangerous it can expand or explode. 
Well, I, I suppose that uh, President Biden will continue to sign whatever Susan Rice and Jake Sullivan and uh, Ron Klain and others put in front of him. They seem to be the ones that are orchestrating most of this policy. Blinken is, of course, with them, along with Austin and the people behind him in the Pentagon. And remember that they've dug a very deep hole for themselves. Uh, how do you get out of this deep hole? Well, in order to get out, you've got to at some point admit the truth. Well, that's an impossibility. They can't admit the truth. And so what they're going to try and do is the impossible, which is turn it around by turning to anything they can come up with, any instrumentality, any program, any information system, anything at all that promises some success. So the, I, I guess the short answer on the first part is that uh, I, I don't see any evidence that President Biden is going to come forward and do anything. I think he'd probably resign or go away long before admitting to anything. The rest of it is uh, back to the original point. I, I just don't know uh, how much longer our European allies, their publics, the electorates will put up with this. I think we're going to see change in Europe long before we see it here in the United States. There are large numbers of people living in Europe now who are beginning to question, fortunately, thankfully. The people that question the least are usually the ones who are the furthest away from uh, the conflict, the Norwegians, for instance. Everybody in Norway is perfectly happy to let this go on ad infinitum. They just want us to protect them. But once you get to Germany, you get to the Czechs, the Slovaks, the Hungarians, the Romanians. The Poles. Yes. Well, even, even the Polish population is beginning to turn sour on this. And the closer you get to the Polish border with Ukraine, the more fearful people are. It's very obvious. So I think, I think we're going to see some sort of you know, crest, cresting wave that will come in and change these governments. I don't see how they survive. The New problem York is that the, the governments that are likely to succeed them are all going to be, in my judgment, very Kerensky-like. We, we, you know, Kerensky was the man that took over after the czar was deposed. And all he had to do to be successful was to end the war, number one, stop the war, <clears throat> declare peace, bring the army back, and uh, then begin feeding the population. Well, he wouldn't do that because he said, well, I'm dependent on the West for money, for capital, for support. So he failed to do that. He was deposed nine months later and our friend Lenin took over. What did Lenin do? End the war, feed everybody, bring back the army, turn it into an instrument of political power and terrorism. And the rest is history. Well, I think we're going to see something similar happen. We'll see this man, Olaf Scholz, go away, probably Macron at some point, maybe others. And then you're going to see somebody else come in, and the, the new one is going to try and stay once again with one foot in each camp. I want to get along with the Russians, and I want to end this, but I still want to be Washington's friend. We're reaching a point now where that's an impossibility, and that's Putin's game. Or strategy would be a more appropriate thing. Either either you do business with me, or you sink with the with Washington. But one person we're not going to see go away in the very near <clears throat> future is Putin himself. No, well, I, I, I don't think so. But I read every day, somebody tells me that he suffers from colon cancer and that, uh, you know, he could he could die very suddenly. I, I have no idea. I just don't know. All I know from what I can tell from people who are over there is that he is enormously popular. Anyone who thinks that anyone is going to launch a coup against this man and remove them is deranged. It's not going to happen. And the second point, and we've talked about this before, Putin is the one man exercising restraint. 
If it weren't for him, I think they would have already destroyed several of our satellites. I think we would have seen precision attacks on these contractors that are on the ground over there. Why is Putin exercising restraint? He doesn't want the war to go on any longer than it has to. Right. He doesn't. He didn't. He thought, and, and frankly, I did too. He thought that when he demonstrated his resolve and determination to, you know, block this NATO membership for Ukraine and demand the removal of NATO forces and troops from uh, eastern Ukraine's border, right. that the Ukrainians would say, wait a minute, slow down. We, we don't want to destroy everything. We don't want millions of people to be displaced. Let's talk. He was wrong. And we are we are calling the shots in uh, in Kiev and we or Kiev and we have from the very beginning, and I think he knows that, and so he's sort of slogging through at this point, hoping against hope that we will wake up, I suppose. But if he were removed, you'd get a very different uh, outcome from any potential successor that I'm aware of. Colonel McGregor, always a pleasure. Your your insight is tantalizing and and much to be valued thanks for joining us okay judge thank you judge napolitano for judging freedom